Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Um, 26 years ago, we moved to Benicia, and uh, we were fortunate enough, we had owned a house in Daly City, and so from the sale of our house there, we actually had enough to be able to buy a brand new house that no one had ever lived in but us, which means... For the last 25 years or so, I have not had to do any home repairs. But, of course, now, 25 years later, things are starting to show their wear, and we had to replace a few things, and fence boards need replacing, and the yard is kind of overgrown. And actually, a couple weeks ago, I started a project of the retaining walls in our backyard. We back up against the hill, and so they were all starting to lean, and it was trying to tear up the deck. So now I've had to replace retaining walls, and I'm replacing the deck. And, and here's what I've discovered. It was a lot easier 26 years ago when I was 35 years old. I'm just getting way too old for this kind of thing. But, of course, I'm too cheap to pay somebody else, and I know enough to be able to do it myself, so I'm doing it myself. Here's the other thing I've discovered, that even if you buy a brand-new house, no matter how new your house might be, eventually, it's going to be a fixer-upper. <laughs> and so we're doing this series we're calling Fixer-Upper, and it's not about home repair, okay? Although I could do a seminar on that. Um, this is really about addressing those areas, those key areas of each of our lives that need constant maintenance or, or maybe repair or in some cases, maybe complete renovation, um, because we've got those key areas, and they need constant care. And so this whole series is really all about that. Um, and we're going to start today with actually where Jesus started. We're going to start with the foundation, which is probably the most important part. So if you want to take your Bibles in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 24, um, it's actually a story that Jesus told, and I'll read his words. He said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Now, if you don't know much about the Bible or much about Jesus, um, he actually spent the first 30 years of his life um, growing up in the home of a carpenter. That's what his father did. And it's quite likely that his first vocation before he became an itinerant preacher was a carpenter. And more than likely, he knew a thing or two about house building and home repair. And so when he tells this story, he knows what he's talking about. And what he tells here is a story is what we call a parable. Now, a parable, literally the word parable means to lay alongside or to place alongside. And the idea behind it is that Jesus would tell a story of something very familiar with people in order to lay alongside of that a biblical principle or a godly principle. And so a parable is a story that's told to make a point about godly things, spiritual things. And so this particular parable that we're going to look at, this story that he told, is actually kind of two stories in one. And in this story, you find there are two things about this story where, are, that are identical. And there's one 
that is a contrast. And that's the point that he's trying to make. So we're going to kind of take them in the order that Jesus did. Um, We're going to start with the two things that are identical. And then with that, it's going to draw us into what the contrast is. And this is what Jesus wanted us to get from all of this. So we're going to start with the first um, identical thing. And it is this, because it's true for every one of us. Every one of us is building a house. Every one of us in this room are building a house. The central figure in both of these stories are house builders. Now, that is a metaphor for life. Every one of us in this room are building a life. You are building that life, um, and it's based on your goals, um, your ambitions, your achievements, um, your beliefs, your philosophy of life. All of those things are building this life, this house that you call your life. And it's about your experiences, it's about the events in your life, it's about the influential people in your life and other things that have had its impact, but primarily, primarily what it comes down to is your choices and your decisions. And your choices and decisions are driven by your beliefs. And so we're all building this life, there's no getting around it, every one of us is building a life. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, no matter where you are in the stage of life, You are building a life, and every decision and every choice that you make along the way is a part of that life that you're building. Jesus started with this. He says there's two guys building houses. The wise man built his house on the rock. Then he says the foolish man built his house on sand. Every commitment that you make, every promise that you make, every friendship that you make, Every path that you choose to follow, every direction that you take with your life is building this thing called your life. And it is an expression of who you are. When we first moved into our house, um, we bought a house. It's part of the Southampton building development, okay? And there's a lot of houses in our development that have the exact same floor plan as ours. But none of them are exactly like ours. Because we've decorated it our way. We've done the landscaping the way we wanted it. So even in our physical house, it's a reflection of who we are. Your life is really your identity. It's who you are. And the thing is that every choice that you make is a part of that. And we don't think about that at the time. It would be good if we did, but we don't. We make these decisions not thinking about the implications, about... um, well, a number of years ago now, one of the kids in our youth group, I think it was a middle schooler at the time, um, his family was going out, they were going boating, and they were launching the boat, and his dad had told him a number of times, stay away from the trailer when I'm launching the boat, you know, just stay away. He thought he'd be cool to jump up on the fender of the wheel um, as they're launching the boat and kind of go down into the water with the trailer. Well, of course, his flip-flops were slippery, he jumped up on the trailer, um, fender, He slipped, fell underneath the wheel, and actually got run over by the boat trailer. Fortunately, it wasn't the car. It was the trailer, and yeah, he broke his leg, and he got a little bruised up and banged up, but he survived, okay? The next Sunday, he comes to church, and somebody had given him a T-shirt. It seemed like a good idea at the time. (laughs) That could be the life motto of many of us in this room. It seemed like a good idea at the time. I didn't think about the implications. I didn't think about where it might lead. It just seemed like a good idea at the time. But that choice led somewhere. That choice built something into your life. So it's important and vital that we think about the choices we make. Not just the big choices, but even the little choices. 
In another parable that Jesus uh, told about building a tower, he said these words. He said, won't you, if you're building this tower, won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? In other words, if you're going to build something, if you're going to build this life, then stop for a moment and think about the choices you're making. If you're going to make this commitment, stop and think about what it's going to cost you to make that commitment. Because this is a life you're building. Stop and think about the choices. The Apostle Paul picked up the same theme when he wrote to the Corinthian church. He wrote these words. He said, each one should build with care. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. In other words, however you build this house that is your life, eventually it's going to show itself for what it really is. So be careful how you build. Be careful about the choices and decisions that you make. Be careful about those things that you say are your beliefs because you're building a house. You're building a life. Something we all have in common. Second thing is this, that everyone's house will face storms. There's no avoiding that either. We are all making choices. We are all building this house. We can't avoid that. Even even in our attempt to avoid making the choices, that too is a decision. And that is part of the building. And part of this whole thing is that you, also you can't avoid storms. There's no avoiding them. If I could put it into the paraphrase of a more common expression in our day, storms happen. <laughs> they do. And there's no avoiding them. They storm, storms come into every person's life. What, you, what I want you to know is you go on with the story. So it says about the wise man. It says that the storm came and the rain came down. The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. Now, what I want you to notice is, look at the foolish man's house. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Exact same circumstances. Exact same wording. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. Exact same experiences one crashed and the other didn't now this is not a story about storm avoidance okay jesus is not teaching find a safe place to build your life find a nice comfortable life that's non-threatening and keep yourself away from storms because you can't do that every year every year um, during tornado season you see it on the news just about every year that i can think of um, a, a tornado comes through and it touches down. And where does it touch down? In a trailer park. <laughs> Isn't it true? Every time a tr- tornado comes through, it always touches down. Why would you live in a trailer park in Tornado Alley? You know, it just doesn't make any sense. But you see, you can't avoid the storms. Because if it's not a tornado, it'll be a flood. And if it's not a flood, it'll be an earthquake. And if it's not an earthquake, it'll be a volcano or an avalanche or something. There's no avoiding it. The storms come to every single life. So he's not teaching about avoiding storms. What he's teaching about is something altogether different. Now, see, I used to think, I used to think that that if you just lived your life following God's ways, and, and if you followed him the best that you could, and you tried to live by his principles, that life would work out perfectly. I don't believe that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I used to think that, but then I had this experience in the second ministry position that I ever had, and it was miserable. 
and, and everything went wrong. And I ended up at the end of that year out of pastoral ministry for about five years. And I remember at the time being so angry and mad at God. And I would say things like in my person, God, I went to this position believing you were leading me there. I have done everything I can to follow you with all of my life. God, I have trusted you with every aspect of my life. If this is the way you treat the people that want to follow and serve you, you can have it. I don't want to do this anymore. And for five years, that was my attitude. And then I began to realize that there's no avoiding storms. Even for people who are making all the right choices and doing their best to follow God's ways. Because what storms do, storms are what test the strength of the house. That's their purpose. And God allows those storms. And it's not so much what I went through or the storm that I go through. It's how I react to it. And it took about five years for me to get a little humbled and to recognize that my trust is not in my abilities to weather storms. My trust is in God. And I have to be able to trust Him even when the storms hit because it's the storms that test that test my faith. So the question becomes, in the middle of the storm, are the things that I am building my life on able to withstand the test? Are they able to withstand? Am I building my life on things that cannot hold up under the weight of the storms? Because, see, that's the, that's the whole point. That's what he's going through in all of this. And it's my actions and my behaviors. Are they actively reflecting what I say I believe? Peter wrote to a group of Christ followers who were facing persecution. He wrote these words. He said, you may have had to suffer sadness and all kinds of trouble, but your troubles have come in order to prove that your faith is real. And then he goes on. Your faith is worth more than gold. In other words, he's saying, this is the most important thing about you. And yes, you're going through storms and you've been through storms and another storm is probably going to come along the way not too far in the future. But they come to test your faith. They come to prove that your faith is real. And that is worth more than anything else about you. That's what matters most. So what's the foundation? Foundation is that source of strength. See, here's the contrast the strength of your house is the foundation. The story didn't, isn't being told about avoiding storms. It's about lasting through storms, and that comes through in the foundation. That's the one variable. Everything else is the same about both these guys. The one variable is where they built their house. It says of the wise man, like a wise man who built his house on the rock, it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. It says, like the foolish man who built his house on sand, it fell with a great crash. The difference was the foundation. Now, I don't know if you grew up in Sunday school like I did, but when I was a little kid growing up in Sunday school, we actually sang a song about this story. Anybody remember that song? A few of you? Okay. Kind of went along like this. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. 
Wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rains came tumbling down. Rains came down, and the floods came up. Rains came down, and the floods... Oh, all, the, all the motions, okay? You've got to do them with me. Rains came down. Come on. Rains came down, and the floods came up, and the house on the rock stood fast. And the foolish man built his house upon the sand. Foolish man built his house upon sand. And the rains came tumbling down, and the rains came down, and the floods came up. Rains came down, and the floods came up. Rains came up. And the house on the sand went crash. And when you're a seven-year-old kid in Sunday school, a little boy, that crash is the funnest part of the whole song. Everybody shouts crash and claps their hands together. Okay? Jesus is, Jesus is not telling a story to make up a nice, cute little song. And it's one thing to sing about a house that crashes. But it's something altogether different when it's your life and your house that comes crashing down. Jesus said it's a great crash. What he's saying is this matters. This, you got to get this. Because if you don't get this, you are missing out on the life he has. You are building on sand. This is the most important thing about your life. If you want to be fixing up your life, you got to start with the foundation. Now, the foundation is probably the least glamorous part of the house. My dad was a building contractor, and I worked for him for a number of summers while I was growing up. The very first summer I was working for him, my first job in carpentry was ditch digging. I dug for a foundation. And we didn't have a backhoe. We had my back hoe. And it was a pick, and it was a shovel because it was rock. And it was picking and shoveling and picking and shoveling. And it was the most miserable summer of my life. (laughs) But it was the most important thing I could have done for that house. Because you can be building your dream house. You can be building the most beautiful, gorgeous mansion that you ever thought possible. But if that foundation's no good, it's just going to come crumbling down. And a lot of people build on a lot of different foundations. And when the storms come and it all comes crashing down, you realize it couldn't withstand the storm. See, foundations are important. The other thing about foundations is they need to be anchored to the house. Because we live in earthquake country. And I don't know if you know this or not, but during an earthquake, foundations go up from underneath houses. <laughs> so they need just not to be sit on top of a foundation. They need to be bolted and anchored down and sheer wall panels to nail them off and make sure that it doesn't move off the foundation. And here's the foundation. This is the point of the whole thing. In fact, Jesus is so important. He said up front what the story was really all about, okay? Because he didn't want us to miss this. This is it. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is the wise man who built this house on a rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. In other words... It's not enough to hear, and it's not enough to study or read or be a part of a community group that discusses or even agree with everything you read about it. What matters is that we do it. See, in the context of this story, he tells this story at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel goes from 
chapter 5 through chapter 6 through chapter 7. And it's the very end of chapter 7 that Jesus is talking about these words of mine. Now, if you go back and you, you read the Sermon on the Mount, it is filled with all kinds of hard stuff. Like, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Give to the needy. If you're offering a gift at the altar and you have someone who has something against you, you go, leave it there, go and be reconciled with your brother. Don't store up treasure for yourself here on earth, but store up treasure. See, there's all kinds of really hard stuff in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And he ends his Sermon on the Mount with all that hard teaching and he says, now, if you do this, that's your foundation. That's your rock. But if you listen to all this stuff and you do nothing about it, you're just kidding yourself and you're building on sand. And when the storms come, it's going to crash. See, if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then I have to believe that what he said really is the truth. So much so that I will put my life on it even if I don't understand it. See, I've got to believe that what Jesus said is right. And if I disagree with him, I'm the one who's wrong. (laughs) If, If Jesus says this is what's right and I'm not sure it applies to my situation, I'm the one that doesn't understand. See, that's the point of this whole story. And a lot of us, what we do is we read, we study, we listen, we learn, we get all of these things and we think to ourselves, yeah, well, that's all well and good, but you don't know my situation. Because my situation is different than that. Now it's exactly the same. Life situations have been the same since life has been around. You just think your story is different and unique, but it's not. And if I'm going to believe that Jesus and what he said is right and true, then I have to come to the admission that if I disagree with him, I'm the one that's wrong. And I'm the one that's got to change. And if I don't, I'm just building on sand. But if I do, I've built my life on a rock that will last. Would you bow your heads with me? So I want to close asking you this question. What are you building your life on? Really? Really? What are you building your life on? Do your decisions, do your actions, do your behaviors, are they truly consistent with what you say you believe? Because it's what you do that shows what you really believe. Maybe you're here today, and it could very well be that there's something in your life that God has been speaking to you about, and and you've been insisting on doing it your way. And you're saying, yeah, God, I know that's what you're saying. I know that's what I should do, but, but my circumstance is different. And he's been speaking to you about it for a while. And maybe today, maybe today it's time to stop arguing with him and say, God, you're right. I'm wrong. I just don't understand. But I'm going to obey. Or maybe you're here today and you're right in the middle of a storm. And you're not sure you can stand up against it. You can't, not on your own. But there's someone who stands with you, stands under you, holds you up. And you can put your full faith and trust in him. 
regardless of the storm you're facing right now. So if you're here today and you're in the middle of a storm and you just need an assurance that you're standing on a rock that's going to hold you up, or if you're here today and you're facing a decision and you know what the right thing is to do, but you want to do it your way anyway, and it's going to be hard to just say, okay, God, I'm wrong, you're right, I'm doing it your way. I would love to pray for you as we close. And if that describes you in either one of those in any way, and I could pray for you as we close, as you're willing to say, yeah, that's me, would you just raise your hand? As you do, look up, catch my eye, because I want you to know I'm praying with you and for you. Yeah, yeah, yes. Maybe you're here today and you don't have that foundation because you never really fully put your trust in Christ. Here's the thing. He weathered a storm for you. That's what he was doing on the cross. On the cross, he was absorbing all of that storm of your life. All that your sin and your rebellion deserves. All that my sin and rebellion deserves. So that you could put your trust in him and find that strength for your life not just for this life, but for eternity. And if you've never put your faith and trust in Him, but today it's a first step of faith and you're just willing to say, Lord, I am tired of doing it my way. I've had enough storms to show me it's not working out that way. I am going to put my trust in You. Here I am with my faults, my failures, my sin. Would you please forgive me? I'm putting my trust in You today. Same thing, would you just raise your hand and look up and catch my eye so I can pray with you as we close. Anybody? All right. Yeah. 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 So whether it's a first-time decision or just a new area of your life that needs to be let go or a storm that you're standing in, really, prayer is pretty much the same for all of us. And I invite you to make it your prayer today. Lord, here I am in my struggles, in my weaknesses, in my storms, with my faults, my failures, my weaknesses, my sin. I have my way of doing things, but I know that's not something I can build a life on. Today, putting my trust in you. For some of us, it's a first-time decision. For others of us, it's just a new area of our life that we're just turning over and we're just saying, God, would you take this? Would you be my strength? Would you be my foundation? I am putting my life in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. You